0: Well, welcome back to another exciting episode here on Lunch Table Talk. Today, we want to establish and get back into why I believe Michael Jordan is still the GOAT, and that's not changing anytime soon. Look for a place that does t-shirts, does embroidering, and can build you a website. It can do just about anything that you're looking for. Well, I met these people here in Michigan off Southfield Road, and the name of their business is called Initial Brand. I've been knowing them for years, and they do excellent work. Um, I will post their website in the description. Um, See all the things they can do for you. And if you do go and make an appointment, just say Karan sent you. Now, on to today's episode. It seems like today there's an overwhelming desire to replace Michael Jordan as the greatest player of all time, the GOAT. Now, if you were an early listener of this podcast, my first episode was called Goat Sneakers, and I debated tadly about Jordan and LeBron, and it does come down to what you personally do like the most, whether you like scoring, a guy who plays defense, a guy who wins every time he goes to the finals, or you prefer a guy who will get to the finals, but it's no guarantee he'll win. Or maybe you prefer a guy who's similar to MJ, but he never caught him in rings or an MVP. Or you just prefer someone who's a big man, whatever your choice of preference is. Today's episode, I just want to reestablish why I feel Michael Jordan is the GOAT and that's not changing. Now, I could give you all the statistical things and I will, you know, that everyone knows. But I'm here to really try and do something a little different and and speak to why I see him with my own eye test, at least to start off this episode, why I think he is the greatest player of all time. I'm going to first start off with something that I don't never hear anyone talk about. And that is the fact that this man took an 18-month sabbatical and come back and win three more championships. Let me just say this. In his era, or at that time, no player in team sports had ever, like, literally took time off, came back, and got back to the level of success that he got to. Mind you, the whole NBA had to move on without Michael Jordan. And I know some of you believe that David Stern sent him away because he was gambling and, hey, you know, you know, just go away for a while, let it die down, and you can come on back. That was not absolutely true. The last day I showed you that. He went and tried something else. And if he'd have stayed at that, day, he might have been a great baseball player or at least a very good, decent one. See, the idea or the audacity that he left these breadcrumbs that we did not even pay attention to. What are you talking about, Karan? Simple. Go back if you can, because I've watched The Last Dance a million times. And every time I watch it, I see something different. Now, before I get to why no one really talks about the retirement, come back, and win three more championships, I'm going to get to that in a few seconds, but let me set it up. Let me put proper context to it. First off, he had an interview with Ma Rashad in the back with glasses on. He literally said and told her, told us to our face, um, people try to bring me down for the gambling thing, and I'm just paraphrasing. You can go watch it for yourself and get the actual quote. But he actually said whenever he leads this game, whether it be next year or a couple years from now, he told you he was going to walk away. We that just went right over our heads. Like, why is he gonna walk away? He's winning. There's right now no one on the horizon can challenge this guy. If he feels like it, he's gonna just walk on through. Excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, and go get the Larry O'Brien trophy and say, Yay, hey, I'm champ, worship me, love me. Adore me, but after that series was over with, he won his third consecutive championship, which had not been done, had not been done since the Boston Celtics and the Minneapolis Lakers. At that time, it was a short list, and guess what, people? Today is still a short list. He decided to walk away. Let's fast forward to when he has retirement. He said, literally means you can do whatever you want maybe maybe i'll come back and play again maybe that's a challenge that i need listen once again he literally just told you hey i don't have no other challenges out here he didn't want to say hey my dad's gone this just sealed it for me i need a break i gotta go this is too much for me i, I got this this is nothing to me there's no challenge out here I've already done more than with Magic, Bird. I even throw Isaiah in there. They did 3 I I did. And right now, I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I need, I just need to get away. And especially since his father got killed. So, he goes and play baseball. If it wasn't for a strike, maybe MJ's still playing baseball. Not today, but he would probably still play bas- I mean, baseball. And then we had to look at his career from that point of view as to, wow, is he really the greatest basketball player we've ever seen? And that's where all this dope talk came about. So when he came back, the hype, let me just say this, the hype around him coming back was huge compared to LeBron's first coming into the NBA. I know some of y'all were like, no, it's not Karan, but I'm here to tell you. One guy walking through the locker room should not take a average team into contenders. That's what Jordan Orr did for that Bulls team in 95. No, they didn't win. They got put out by Orlando. But the point I want to make is the fact that he was coming back made it so interesting that, wow, if he comes back and he looks even half of what he was, can Chicago win it? That was the story that was the story after he's coming back so he comes back of course they lose to Orlando once again he trains he goes films a movie and they have the best season in 96 the next year they're probably like one game away from going back-to-back 70 back-to-back 70 win seasons they beat Utah scrappy series The following year, which is The Last Dance, you can watch it like I've watched it. It's a great documentary, probably the best sports documentary of all time. Not because it's talking about Michael Jordan, but the way that they did it. And he wins his third consecutive championship. Let's put a clip in that at this moment. At this moment, he has done something that no one in sports had ever done. You've had individuals retire like Sugar Ray Leonard and come back and fight. Muhammad Ali was on a hiatus for three years because of his beliefs in fighting the government for his freedom to pursue back his career of boxing. You've never had a guy in a team sport do what he just did. He took an 18-month vacation, I'm gonna call it a vacation, come back and win three more championships and looked at more dominant than he did the previous iteration of himself. So you have to ask the question, if they didn't pull the plug, could they have won in 99? Hell yeah. Would they have won in 2000? Phil Jackson, the coach, yeah, they would have won. Like he said, you can't win until we quit. That was the mentality. That was the mindset. Which pushed me to my next thing that makes Michael Jordan a GOAT. His mentality to win at all costs. He told you. I need you to be on my level. I need you to be mentally prepared for what's about to happen. The era in which they played was physical because all the rules were geared toward big big people, the big centers, the big forwards. There was no rules for wing players. And i get into this conversation a minute about Isaiah Thomas and Scottie Pippen Haiti. We'll get into that in the next segment, but I'm going to give you a little dose right now. Isaiah Thomas went on Cornbread Maxwell's podcast. You don't know who Cornbread Maxwell is, you don't know basketball. He was a 1981 Finals MVP, played for the Boston Celtics. He basically told him that, yo, Jordan was going to the league office complaining, ha, ha, ha. Oh, they hit me. They knocking me down, which was true. These are facts. The Pistons were knocking him around. But he still went in there, Isaiah. I love you, Zeke, but he still went in there. But if you look at that era, I'm I'm only speaking of that at this moment because I wanted to talk about that era. In that era, fouls were not called the way they're called now. No blood, no foul. No concussion, no foul. So, hey, don't come in the lane. Shoot jump shots. Come in here, you're going to pay a price. You got to pay a price. His mentality was of a savage his mentality was of a killer the man did not care he had no provocation of coming in there and dunking on you when he dunked on you he took your soul he just you don't want to play no more you was already embarrassed and humiliated because at six o'clock at 11 o'clock at the water cooler everyone's gonna be talking about you know what he did you see what Jordan did last night quote the great John Sally you gotta get him before he get in the air because once he gets in the air he ain't human my good co-worker and good friend Nard once said oh the, the, the alien from Mars yeah he, you don't get him you know, he gonna put you in the rim? yeah yeah go but his mentality the way that he saw the game the way he attacked from the time he walked in to the time he walked out Yes, he still had the same mentality, even in the wizard's uniform. But once again, we live in a more different environment. We live in a participation era environment. You can be the 12th guy on the bench and, you know what, it's okay. Thanks for keeping that bench warm. Thanks for giving me that coat. No, nah, if I'm drafting today, I want a guy who's a freaking savage. And another thing I want to speak before we get to the next segment is, and that is that Michael Jordan took no... It goes to his mentality a little bit, but he took no prisoners. He held himself accountable for everything. The mere fact that this man sat there and said, for three hours, you're going to watch me. It is my responsibility to make sure that I am at my best. My absolute best. And if I've got to be at my best, i got to push my teammates to be at their best. There's nothing... He had them do that he did not do himself. He shared the wealth at some point. He had to. That's the only way he could have won. That's called adaptability. But that also helps when you have better teammates. That helps when you have a better organization that surrounds you with talent. And you need a guy who's not afraid to be a leader. I'm going to say that again. A leader to go out there and say look we gotta go against these bullies we gotta go we gotta stay on top nobody's beating us i'll give you a great example and most of us have played basketball some of us played organized some of us just only play in the yard or at the court or the playground it's like the mentality is saying when we get out here we're dominating we're not getting off the court do you know what it's like when you go out there and you lose and you got to wait and you got to say, I got next, but it's like three or four other guys that come up and say they got next. So now you're sitting and you're waiting You're trying to figure out who your squad is. Picking your squad is very essential. Jordan never could pick his squad. They just gave him some guys and told him go out there and play. Yeah, that's a shot at LeBron and anybody else that's done what he's done. Still love you, LeBron, but you did pick your squad. If you're on my squad, we're going out there. We, we're trying to kill everything. This ain't about if I like you or not, can you play? I need you to do your job because I'm going to do mine. So in the end, my eye test says I've never seen a guy like this. Now, mind you, I've been watching the NBA finals since 1984. I understand theres there have been great players prior to Michael Jordan, such as Jerry West. Oscar Robinson, Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Bob Pettit, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, sorry about that. Uh, at the end of the day, I've only seen Michael Jordan do what he was doing. And I'm going to be honest, as a Piston fan, it hurt my heart and my soul that he was doing that to us. And it's like, yo, you took some gratitude when they were knocking him to the crowd sight like, man you can't let him get in the air is he gonna do something freaky like he, he just did it and it's like the whole day I'm, I'm, I'm replaying in my mind what I'm seeing because I've never seen a guy do that yeah Dr. J walked in air this guy was like running diving laying doing all type of stuff in air so yeah Dr. J he was the first guy I saw like oh you can do that Michael Jordan was Not only can I do that, I can hang up here. Because you're going down before I come down. So in our next segment, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the haters. And the reason why they hate. In the last several years, there's been several people who took in their shots... At Michael Jordan being the greatest player of all time. Um, in the last segment, I did mention Isaiah Thomas going on Cornbro Maxwell, Cornbread Maxwell, excuse me, podcast talking about how he used to cry and complain about getting hit. But Isaiah Thomas has been on a campaign since the last dance. He felt offended, disrespected, and he wants his apology with dip. Yes, I said with dip. I cannot sit here and say that he does not have a point. But I also think it's a mood point. You should have kind of figured out that Jordan couldn't tell his story without talking to Alicia You, So that was number one. You agreed to be in the documentary. You knew you should have known the type of person that he was because you saw him at the Hall of Fame. His Hall of Fame speech. And he did thank you in his Hall of Fame speech for the freeze out. But this relationship went sour when? Who knows when exactly? Some people will say it's around the dream team time, because Jordan kept him off. There's a recording that says he did he wasn't gonna play if Isaiah played. Isaiah's is openly admitted it on open court: hey, if Jordan didn't want me to play, I'm fine with that. Magic Bird, but anybody else but them or below them? Hell no. Nah. But what Isaiah was choosing to do after the documentary came out, and I believe he still is doing it, because he, he was on Up and Smoke. He talked about uh Jordan and how, hey, you know, if you didn't mean what you said, come and apologize to me. You know. And I know the Upper shout out to the Upper Smoke podcast. I love their show. But I'm just gonna tell Isaiah, both you and Jordan are over 60 years old let it go I believe Jordan was talking from a point of view of how he felt about you back then he already said he respects your talent besides Magic Johnson you're right behind Magic Johnson pause on that but as far as talent wise you are the second greatest point guard in history of the league you guys played in all star games together Isaiah's even went as far as letting out some personal details about when Jordan first got to Chicago. And I was like, very interesting. I'm not going to relay what that was because that's not my story to tell. But you can check it out on the Pivot podcast when he talks about it. But he does have a point that he feels like his grievances need to be heard. The question is, would Jordan ever hear those grievances and actually apologize to him? Probably not. But you played against Michael Jordan, and these are the facts. For three years, the Pistons did beat the Bulls, 88, 89, and 90. It's also a fact that Isaiah Thomas has a winning record against Michael Jordan. There's also another fact that Isaiah Thomas beat Jordan, Bird, and Magic all in their prime, and he won two championships in between all three of these guys that are considered pillars of the league. In the middle of these three of this of this triangle of magic burning Jordan, Isaiah's is in the middle. And I would say, why is he in the middle? Because he's the guy that no one wants to really talk about. He's like the elephant in the room. He's a guy that was what most people want to label the pistons were at that time as placeholders to Chicago was ready to take the throne. And that's don't that don't sit well with him because I was the guy on the also write about jordan not being his competition i didn't pursue him i was pursuing magic and bird which is correct they had something that he wanted which was championships he went to in their locker rooms in this final series watching both teams <clears throat> excuse me collecting notes and taking it back to his team when jordan finally beat them at the time in which they walked off the court, it was the most gangsterous thing in Detroit we ever saw. And as a kid, I was wondering, like, hmm, interesting. They just walked off the court like it was nothing. Like, you know what, we're not even going to give you the satisfaction of even shaking your hands. You beat us. You got it. Boom. Now, the media turned on the Pistons after that. The media turned on Isaiah Thomas for a second time in several years. If you don't remember, go watch the situation between him and Bird. When Dennis Rodman made that comment about Bird being a white player, if he was black, he'd just be like all the rest of us. I'm paraphrasing. Anyone on that team that could not have another blemish on their record would be Isaiah Thomas. Every time that Jordan lost to y'all, he shook you alls hand. That was the culture that y'all established. When Boston won, I I forgot this. They walked off the court. So they said, you know, we're going to give it to them the same way Boston gave it to us. That's what we're going to do. And Isaiah said, you know what? In a smug way, that's how it was done. He just walked off the court. Jordan says, nah, that's not it. See, you go back and watch. Every time they beat us, I shook y'all hand and said, good luck in the finals. Joe Dumars even said it he'd say that. He would say, hey man, good luck in the finals. As much as it pained him to do it, you could see it in his face. Like, man, uh, uh." he didn't want to, but that was sportsmanship to Jordan. And that's all he wanted in return. He wanted an acknowledgement to say, hey, hard hard series, y'all deserve it. Good luck in the finals. And when they didn't get it, he had to reverse pivot and say, you know what? Uh, i walking on the court. That, that was just good enough for me. <laughs> that was good enough for me. But deep down inside, he was hurt. I can tell he was hurt. You can look at his facial expression. But I will also say this. In, Jordan, in, in Isaiah and the Pistons defense, they wanted a two-day tyrant talking about how bad the Pistons were for the game. They did disrespect the Pistons and their accomplishment of being two-time champions. But then the Pistons sit there and confirm it by walking off the court. So, you may say that's not who we are, but your actions confirm what people think of you. So, yeah, after that series, yeah, I can see Isaiah Thomas holding some sour grapes, talking about, you know what, the only thing missing off his resume is an Olympic gold medal. And not to get too far off track, but think about this for a second. There's a reason why, after 92, there's never been another college player on the, the in any of the Olympic teams they sent. Have you noticed that? Christian Langer was the only only college player they've ever sent since they've been using professionals. Ever since then, they've been nothing but all NBA players. Hmm, that's not like another episode, but let's move on. Let's get to Scottie Pippen and his delusional self. I don't have enough time in a day to go over why I feel like Scottie Pippen is hating on Michael Jordan. He's changed your life in so many ways that he should not even be the reason why you should say anything bad or or remorselessly bad about him. First and foremost, he got you to six championships. You were on two Olympic teams. You were on the greatest team ever assembled in '92. And four years later, you went back to the Olympics and won another gold medal on your own with another cast of characters. You also went on and tried to win a championship in Portland, knowing all the knowledge that you got from MJ, but you still didn't get over the hump. And guess what? For the most part, no one ever shitted on you about it. We talked about it, but we didn't really shit on you about it. Then you come out and you write a whole book, which I have. It's hard for me to read, but from, Pip, from Pippen's point of view, I can see why he has sour grapes to a certain degree. But it's not on MJ. Some of that's on you. Then you come out and say the most retarded things ever by saying, oh, he was a horrible player. He was horrible to play with. When we started winning, the narrative started to change. Yeah, the narrative should change because y'all winning. And it wasn't just because of MJ. Cause all of y'all, but, but let's but let's but let's be clear about something. When MJ wasn't there, you had an opportunity to make your claim that it wasn't just about him; it was about us. And you flushed that shit all the way down the toilet in '94 in that in the semifinals in that game with Tony Kukoc at the game-winning shot. The one time that all y'all should be united on the floor because you don't have that guy, you decide to have a selfish moment. And then you sat there and said, you know what? If I had a chance to do it all over again, I would do it all over again. But that's Michael's fault that made you look bad in the last do- dance documentary? Oh, he used us as a prop. He had to use y'all as a prop, Negro. Without MJ, your career would not be what it is. Yes, he was talented. Yes, he was a diamond in the rough. But don't get it twisted. If you play against the best player in the universe at practice for several seasons, I'm going to assume you're going to be better. Scotty, just relax. Just chill. Go to a corner, count to 10, look at your rings. And realize that MJ said several things great about you. You're my MVP. That's on record. He said I might get the trophy. He might get the car. That was in 97. Go back to the last Dance documentary. The man told you. I need you out here. The goat himself said I need you out here. And some people say well if you need him out there. Doesn't that make Scotty? No. Don't get it twisted. Michael needs a Scotty out there so that at least he can throw the ball to somebody else who can create his own shot. But the hate that you guys have for MJ has to stop. It's not even legit. Some of it's not legit. Most of it's a personal vendetta against the man's aura. The man dominated the 90s like we've never seen anyone dominate a decade previous or prior. Maybe except for Bill Russell, because they was killing everybody back in the 60s. But at the end of the day, unless Jordan like took your lunch money, took your woman why sorry Scotty you didn't know his son took your ex wife sorry about that Scotty but MJ to me is the greatest player ever because of his skill set what he was able to do on the court and guess what it didn't matter what you put around him he was going to be successful because like I said in the previous segment his mentality said he would be successful and these guys that I've just mentioned, just these only two guys. I I can mention several others. But yeah, I don't consider it hating. I just consider it you don't have to put the brother down to make a point of he's better than the other guy. You can just them, much put the numbers up there and compare them. But these two guys individually, they have a vendetta against Jordan. And to me, it's not even valid. Well, Isaiah Thomas is a little valid. Scotty Yours is is you something wrong. Seek help. But Isaiah, if you want an apology, I I will sit here and tell you from a Jordan fan's perspective, I am sorry that you guys lost in 91, and this man made me become a fan after that. I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. But it's the time to move on. It's time for healing. After all, I mean, how many friends do you really need? In the end, the hating must stop. Let's move on. Now that I've established there's some hating going on, let's get into why I feel like Michael Jordan is really the GOAT. Um, All the advanced analytics say that Jordan is the dude. He still has the highest PER. Look it up. He's got the most win shares of all time. Um, from 91 to 98, he has won 25 of 26 playoff series. That's from 1991 all the way to 1998. He has six championships. He three-peated twice. Ten-time scoring champ, etc., etc. Oh, yeah, nine-time first def- all-defense first team. Five regular season MVP, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah. Um, he was finals MVP six times um, never allowed a game to go to game seven, etc, etc, etc what do we know about these accolades and these awards he was front and center all the time the only time he, you could say he did what most people say as a LeBron is when he went to go play baseball but he still was in the Chicago uniform the owner still was paying him his salary shoes was going through the roof still and, but let's compare about today's players. Today's players are supposed to be faster, stronger, have the floor is more wide open. They take more threes. And maybe this playoff coming up season, someone will break MJ's record that I don't think no one has the concentration to do. Jordan scored 63 points against the Boston Suns in 1986. He didn't make no three. He didn't take any threes. He was basically going to the basket in the mid-range a little bit and the free throw, for, and make shots from the free throw line. Today's players are shooting threes from, from the parking lot. You mean to tell me ain't nobody going to clip 63 points in the playoff game? I know some people came close, but they still haven't beaten it. Or how about you go on a, a, a rampage and average 40 at least five different times in five different playoff series? That's what Jordan did. Or how about, you know, averaging over 41 in the NBA Finals? That's what Jordan did. Is anyone going to put together a string of winning three in a row? The last team to do it was the Los Angeles Lakers, but MJ did that twice. And believe it or not, when he played for the Wizards, He was the first 40-year-old to get 40. If I'm not mistaken, he scored 96 points in two games. So what are we really saying about Michael Jordan that that, that, that I'm missing, that other people feel like there's other people that feel like they're, they're better players? Now, I will say this. I heard this quote, and it's from Stan Van Gundy. You can make the argument that Jordan is the best player ever. You can make an argument about any of these guys being the best player ever. But you can also make an argument for someone having a better career. Until LeBron is done playing, we really cannot absolutely say he's had the best career. What you can say about LeBron is that his longevity has surpassed everyone. What you can say also about LeBron is that his peak is higher than anyone we've ever seen. But he didn't do He didn't win a lot in his peak that Jordan did in his peak. See, I don't care how you look at it. Ten finals, four wins, that's a failure, bro. Eight consecutive years in the finals, and he only went three times? That's a failure. F.F. And, oh, yeah, he didn't do it with one team, people. He, He changed teams. Oh, he fulfilled his contract, though, Karan. So what? That don't mean nothing to me. You fill your contract, so, okay, well, I'm going to go over here because they gave me the best chance to win. If you're that guy, people come to you. But I understand this is a new era. Everything's different. But I will ask this one important question. What shoes are all y'all wearing nowadays? I know some of y'all say, what that got to do with it? That has everything to do with it. Some people have never seen Michael Jordan play, but they run out to buy those shoes every freaking Saturday. Why? Who doesn't want to be associated with a winner? Jordans are basically, that's exactly what Jordans are. They are, you are associated with a winner. When you are at the top of your level, you're considered, that's the Jordan level. You're the Michael Jordan or something. They don't say you're the Tom Brady or something. You're the Michael Jordan or something. That's in the lexicon of things. And oh yeah, Michael Jordan was the, he got so much media scrutinizing his era. It's not even funny. They didn't have podcasts back then. They didn't have talk radio. Every, the news cycle was starting to be 24 hours. He got every anything he did was all on him. You don't believe me? Go back and look at that gambling situation. The media coverage about his father getting killed. Rest in paradise, Mr. James Jordan. He had to walk, talk, and be a certain way all the time. Could you imagine how much of a pain that is if you're an introvert? You don't just be like, ah. But he still went out there to perform and play his game. And most people would say... Well, what team is the Warriors that Jordan played against? He didn't play against no Warriors team. You know why? Because his Bulls were that Warriors team. Why is that hard for you to figure out? He didn't to go through no juggernaut. He was the juggernaut. They had to go through him year after year after year. Take a break year after year after year. And he had a fear. He put a fear in the people. So besides the championships, the scoring titles, the highest scoring average in the history of all, the highest scoring career average ever, he has that right now. He's fifth all time. When he retired, he was third. So Kobe had to leapfrog him, then LeBron leapfrogged him. I'm going to be honest and say if Jordan ever retired during his run, and then the three years he had to wait before he came back, I believe Jordan probably would have gotten the scoring. He probably would have passed Kareem but came very close. You don't win that many scoring titles and you don't get close to being the all-time leader in points. Oh yeah, by the way, LeBron's only won one scoring title. So we know he's not a scorer. He can put the ball in the hole, he can be a, he's a he's a very consistent scorer. I give him that. I give him he shoots better from the field. I give him that. You may even say he's got more buzzer beaters than Jordan. I give you that. But here it goes back to my eye test segment again I want to add right now. When, you, when they show the NBA Finals and they show all the, the memorable things, why is it they only show the block from LeBron? That's the only thing he's ever done in the Finals is do the block? He's got great statistics. I give you that. I'm I'm not shitting on LeBron. LeBron is great, but I got him number two. You know why Jordan's number one? Pick a year and pick a moment. They're etched in our brains forever. You can either say '91 and the uh, switching of the hands, '92 when he came out and just killed Portland in that first half, six threes. 35-plus, or 93, when he just basically went through Phoenix like a colonic. 96 may be the only time that it was kind of like a melancholy moment, but that game three, he went out there and made a statement, put up 30-plus and pretty much shut down Gary Payton. Or 97, where he was playing chess moves, and the Utah Jazz was playing checkers. Or how about '98, where you're close, but you still ain't beating me. The shot, which I picture, which I have in my sneaker room, I look at every time I come in here to get a pair of sneakers. It just always reminds me of how a guy who has the ultimate confidence in himself—that no matter the moment, it will not be bigger. I will not. It will not be too big for me to be at my absolute best. That's what I see in MJ. That's why I consider him still the GOAT. Because accolades and things will fade. Trophies will tarnish. His indelible imprint into my mind of him being that savage killer is always going to be there. Does that mean LeBron doesn't have a shot to be the GOAT? No, nah, he's in a conversation. He's done his job. But I do believe that we're doing people are doing too much to elevate him to GOAT status. So you ain't got to do too much for MJ. you just six championships, six MVPs. Never went to a game seven. That should be the end of it right there, right? But it, it probably isn't because you can look at all the great players in history and you can make an argument for all the ones I have in my top ten. Before this episode is over, I will name you my top ten and the reasons why they're in my top ten. Even though it's still a George Still the King episode. At the end of the day, people, whoever you feel is your GOAT, I don't have a problem with. But I'm just here to tell you, Michael Jordan is still the best player I've ever seen. And that's not going to change. My Uncle Ronald said the best player he ever saw was Will Chamberlain, and I cannot disagree with him. When you have records like that and you average 50 points for a season, I think that makes a mark on you when you're that young and you saw it, you saw it yourself. You saw greatness on display. So I'm not mad at any person. Let me say this again. I am not mad at any person who believes LeBron James is the best player. But if you saw Michael Jordan in this prime and looking at LeBron James, and you're telling me that LeBron's better. He's better he's better at him in certain things. But totality-wise, I just believe MJ still towers over him. And I know I said on on the episode, hey, if they get to the finals and they win, I'll say he's the goat. That bet is off now because they didn't get to the finals. I just believe there's nothing LeBron can do. Except unless he's going to win three more championships in the next three years. That's a long way we'll revisit this conversation. He's etched at number two. And the main reason why he's etched at number two is because a guy I just had to put in my top ten. We'll, like I said, we'll get to that toward the conclusion of this episode. In the end, Michael Jordan has a great sneaker line that pretty much is based off. Like I said, it says on the side, "inspired by the greatest basketball player that's ever played." Everyone wants to be associated with a winner, and when I put on my Jordans, that's how I feel about it. You want to be. Everyone wants to be associated with a winner. That's why you wear Jordans and not LeBron's. Wear LeBron's to be cool or play ball in. Maybe wear Allen Iverson's to be smooth and have swag. But if you're talking about being a winner and walking with swag, put on a pair of Jordans. to our final thought um there's been a trade in the nba damian lillard is now in milwaukee congratulations to him to being traded to a contender i understand that was not your first choice but you are now on a contending team you are compared with a former mvp defensive player of the year who is searching for more who was in a prime and ready to win more championships and I know both of you guys are hungry, and you're going to go at it. But in the same token, Drew Holiday was one of the players uh, that was traded for Dame Lillard, the three-team trade with Phoenix. So it was Milwaukee, Phoenix, and Portland involved in this trade. And in the end, Portland ended up getting DeAndre Ayton and a few players from Milwaukee, and Phoenix, and Phoenix end up getting Nurkic and a few other a few other players. The main thing for Portland, they got draft picks. They got tons of draft picks. Then they turned around and traded Drew Holiday to Boston. I'm pretty much sure Drew Holiday probably didn't even go all the way to Portland. They probably told him to stay put somewhere. Like, don't worry about it. You're not even going to be here long enough to even make a, a house run here. So for Drew Holiday, he now goes to a contender. He goes to the Bucks' rival, the Boston Celtics. This upcoming scene is going to be very, very interesting for the NBA. And we're going to do a show about that. But I just want to let you guys know that I think that the Dame Lillard going to Milwaukee, it's a hell of a trade. First and foremost, Dame is going to be on a contender. Second, that pick-and-roll action is going to be even more threatening because whether it's Middleton or Lillard, Giannis is man. And then third, I think Giannis will not have to do a lot of work because now he can probably rest on the bench because you got a guy out there who can get his own bucket besides just Middleton. I think this makes them very dynamic offensively. We'll see how vulnerable it makes them defensively because I believe Drew Holiday was a very, very good defensive stopper at least on the perimeter. I'm not saying Dame's a slouch, but we know Dame ain't known for defense. He can play defense, but he ain't as defensive as Drew Holiday. And as far as Boston is concerned, I believe Drew Holiday winning a championship will give Boston that edge I think it needs. He's won. He's been in tight games along with Jalen Brown, along with Jason Tatum. But I do believe this is... this. Is, This is going to be a very interesting season. And I can't wait for uh, opening night. As we conclude on this episode, just remember that this is all just my opinion as to why I feel like Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player ever. He's still the greatest ever. From that moment in Utah all the way to when he first held the trophy. In the beginning in 91. That's when I became a Jordan fan 100% all the way. Prior to that, it was always a struggle for me because I I loved the Pistons. And I was starting to love him. Throughout that whole journey from the time of 1989 up to 1998, I've had an opportunity to, to watch some of the best basketball, at least in my opinion, that I've seen. Today's game is is outstanding, it's up and down, the pace is fast, they shoot threes. But in the end, what is the substance of these players? What makes them great? Is it the mere fact that they're basically some of the best athletes we've ever seen? Is it the mere fact that they know how to train and stay longer? I always felt if a player stayed as long as, let's say, what LeBron's attempting to do, he's the king of longevity. But I look at what you've done within that longevity. How many championships have you won? have you impacted the game? And most importantly, where have you taken the game to? Now, there are a lot of players that have been great since Michael Jordan has played. They they have. We're we're not going to exclude them. We're not going to say they don't deserve to be in the conversation. But when I take these guys' resumes and I look at them, They don't have the hardware. They have not pushed the game as far as he has. And most importantly, their sneaker line is no comparison. There's no way a guy who hasn't played in 20 years still continues to sell shoes. And we still buy them. Usually you move on when that athlete is done. Not Jordan. They still sell. They may not sell out, but they sell. To the point where they outsell even the current guy, which most people feel is the GOAT, which is LeBron James. Don't get me wrong. I know most people say they're just shoes, Karan. But it makes a statement. The statement is this. People who buy Jordans, they're not just buying them because they look good and it's fashion. They buy them because it represents a winner. It represents a person who wants to dominate. By the way, they look good when you wear them too, just as a side note. But just remember, when you're as iconic and have moments in the finals like Jordan did, it's hard for people to forget who you are. It's hard for people to demote you to number two. But I know some of you have, and it's okay. That's your top 10. That's who you feel is the GOAT. But when I have these arguments and when I have these conversations, I base them off of what I've seen on the basketball court, not what people do off the court. Because in the end, that's how we notice who they are. We don't notice them because they plant trees. We don't notice them because they built hospitals. We're not noticing them because they've, they've given more to great causes. You know who these people are because they play a sport that we all love. So, in the end, you don't have to agree you do not have to agree with me that Michael Jordan is still the goat, but what you can't deny and what you will not deny that he was a phenomenon that we wish the n b a still had to this day That's today's episode. If you like, please subscribe and give me back feedback what you think, and tell me who you think the goat really is. I'll see y'all soon. Take care. Peace.